This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, joined today by Gav Buckhunders and Chris Beasley as we look back on Everton's 4-0 Premier League defeat to Aston Villa at Villa Park on Sunday afternoon. It was a difficult afternoon for Sean Dyson's side as they slumped to a second consecutive Premier League defeat for the new season. Chris, we'll get right into it. You were yeah. at Villa Park on Sunday for the echo alongside Joe Thomas. To say it was disappointment and understatement. Yeah, I think you said uh, Connor there, you know, it was a, a tough day for the team. I think it was a tough day for a lot of people, wasn't it? Obviously, it connected with Evan. The thing about it was it was so very different, actually, than the defeat to Fulham eight days previously and uh, at least uh, you know that that hurt at the time because Evan actually played well Evan had carved open so many chances and they, and they failed to take them it was totally opposite of Villa Park very much second best Villa were by far the superior side from most like from the first minute everything that could go wrong did seem to go wrong and then they were compounded by a series of individual errors and self-inflicted wounds as well. So, yeah, t- terrible um, day for, for everyone concerned, really. And I've just got to hope those those injured players, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Alex Awobi, are back in the side, are back available for um, selection as soon as possible. Obviously, we're going to that Calvert-Lewin's long-awaited comeback. But, yeah, an absolutely uh, rotten afternoon. A very sobering one for Evertonians as well. After the struggles of last season, there's hope that at least get off to a decent start this season and it's not happened the Blues currently uh, rock bottom of the table Gav new season new hope new optimism I think we all left Goodison Park last week a little bit disappointed but upbeat I think after what we'd seen certainly in the first half in terms of Everton have played but unfortunately for everyone connected to Everton this was history repeating itself as Everton's away day struggles and away day woes continued yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, we ended last season decent on 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 our travels. I mean, I think it was one one defeat in seven matches, wasn't it? We scored well, twelve Matt, goals. Me and Matt Jones yeah. give a kiss of death for this because we both praised the away record hmm. of Sean yeah. Dyche last season. So maybe Friday, on Friday we give this the kiss of death before we even anyone on the team bush, should we say? Yeah, yeah, but. You're watching the game, and you, 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 the end of the game, it just felt like we've been here before so many times over the last two or three years. Not necessarily with Dice, but certainly with Benitez, and certainly with, with Lampard on occasions. And um, I, I get what Chris is saying about the, the optimism that we got beat at home to Fulham. Um, the optimism, there, there was some of that, but you've only got to see Fulham's results on Saturday to realise there's probably a bit of a gap between Fulham and Aston Villa and you're playing Villa at home and they, they're coming on the back of a defeat. So, you know, that, that played into it to me and it was it was it was a, it was a performance that, that bordered on the did the appalling, didn't it really? I think I think that's the only way of summing it up. You know, notwithstanding a couple of unlucky injuries, but I, I just thought we were pretty much dreadful and and, and lucky, luckily for us, it wasn't more than more than four. Which I think if Villa had turned the heat up in the second half, it could have easily been a a lot more of a you know horror story than what it eventually was. Gavin, st- stick with you because I spoke to Michael Ball this morning for his Echo column, and he was you know saying that one of the things that really 
alarmed him and, and has, has left alarm bells ringing. Is that he said Aston Villa didn't have to play that well to score four against Everton to beat them quite comfortably. And he said, you know, second week of the season, and we're sitting here saying it was, you know, promising that we only concede. We were looking to get away with a four 0 and they didn't have to play that well. And that's a worry, isn't it? Because you know, if teams are having to play that well against Everton and still come away four with four a four 0 victory, yeah. there's something seriously wrong. Well, yeah, you'd like, like to think that we'd play better as well. But I think the disappointing thing for me is Dice when he came in and you've seen the coaching stuff he does, you know, about defending the V and and and, and so on. Is we, we just didn't do that yesterday, did we? Um, our two central defenders um, were both well, dreadful. I mean, Michael Keane was at fault for, well, two of the goals at least and didn't, didn't slack Watkins back for the second. Tarkovsky out of position possibly for the first. And... I think that the midfield, spoken about this before many, many times on the pod, is we don't have a holding midfielder and and clever teams and clever players that Villa have got in the middle of the park will take advantage of that and find spaces. And you saw that in abundance, in abundance yesterday, Connor, and, and that, that's the thing for me I'll take from, from that is um, we were found out because we haven't got a number six as much as, as, much as we might bemoan the central defenders and you know, neither Onana and Garnagay are, are a six. You know, in a way, in a way, I always say this, don't I? That Fabian Delph was a six. He knew how, he knew how to sniff out danger and take up the right positions. And you know, when he picked up the ball from the, the central defenders, he could he could play on a half turn. We, we've got nobody like that at all. And um, against better teams, you'll be found out when you, you sense a mid get get stretched because you don't sense sense danger enough. And, and that happened on a number of occasions yesterday. I think what was really alarming as well from a midfield perspective was there was times where Everton had one extra player in there because they played with a two at times and we had Everton had three and they still couldn't get near Aston Villa which is, you know, you've got one more person you still can't get near them to, to shut off the danger and, and, and sniff out any potential attacks. You can, you, can, you can have ten in there but they're taking the wrong positions and they don't understand the role to play and then it doesn't matter how many you've got there when the other, you know, whoever you're facing is, knows what they're doing, what they're expected to do and the midfield balance, as I said, 12 months ago, is not right, is it? We'd be muddling through with no six. I don't think we've got an eight either. And as we saw yesterday with the Corday in a 10 roll, he's not a natural number 10, is he? And, um, you know, that that was, was part from the central defence. That was the, the concern for me yesterday. And, um, and, the, and also as well, we couldn't really change in the middle of the park, could we really? One young lad on um, the bench. Yeah, you know, that was, that was the... the the, the other the other issue. So yes, it was a sobering defeat. Um which hopefully we can get out of our system on Saturday, but it did show our flaws up, didn't it really? Chris, we will come on to individuals and players and yeah. stuff like that shortly, but I just want to touch on Sean Dyche because mm. obviously in the past Evans played had a lot of criticism labelled at them and, and, and sometimes it's been completely justified with some of the performances mm. that we've seen. But yesterday, you know, I don't know Social media is not the best place at times to, to make a, a judgment from, but there seemed a lot of kind of points of criticism with Sean Dyche for the way he set the team up. And one person in particular I seen questioned what Everton have actually been doing in in training because the way they were set up was just so kind of lobs over the place. Are you surprised at how bad Everton were shape wise and how poor they defended? Because under Sean Dyche, yeah. we had this assumption that Everton might not be great to watch yeah. from an attacking point of view, and obviously the lack of Falls up into the final third yeah. and play the partner, but defensively they they look so vulnerable. And yeah, it's something that you thought 
that he was addressing. And Everton, certainly this season after a full pre-season, will be much more solid defensively. Even last week, yeah. Fulham, okay, didn't have a lot of chances, but they had three chances in which Pickford makes a great save. They hit the post and score. Yeah. So they are vulnerable defensively. Yeah. Um, like you say, um, Spies did, I mean, analysis is the one thing you, that you expect for Sean Dyche's team. You won't have a soft centre, mm. you know. Yeah. It might not be free-flowing football all the time, but they're, they're organised. There's a methodology behind it all set up in, in the right ways. You know, so much about what he, his training sessions are based on and stuff. It's all about um, the shape of the team and where everyone should be positionally-wise. But, yeah, playing that high line against the um, um, the pace that Aston Villa have got in there and the, the trickery, the cleverness of their attacking players, it's just... Um, they hung out to dry, really, and um, the, the, the manager obviously has to take his, his fair amount of culpability in, in terms of um, it's him who sets sets them up like that. And like I said, it's very unshorn dice like whether he is. I think the first day he came into the job, he said he was a Marmite manager, he's just mm. somebody who people try to tend to look to love or hate the extreme. There's no sort of in the middle with him, but you know, for better or for worse, there are certain things that you expect from his teams, and then to be. So wild defensively like that isn't one of one of those traits, and yeah, it, it was concerning. And then again, it's it also further up the pitch. It's who he's got available and stuff like that. But James Garner starting in the, in the wide role, obviously moved into the middle after those enforced changes. But yeah, um, I, I mean, I was down interviewing a player after the, the game, and but um, Joe Thomas was in the pre-match press conference and maybe in a sort of a reverse psychology or whatever. It was Stouch's job also as a manager to sort of portray that that level-headedness and put keep things in perspective. Whereas the, you know the rest of us, whether they be fans or journalists alike, maybe um, a, a bit more uh, emotional, concerning things. But um, apparently, the manager's approach was almost to sort of make light of things, not to say that it didn't matter. But um, he was trying to at least put a brave face onto mm. the way things were and sort of keep that, that level head like I guess he had to do throughout a, a relegation battle la, last season but yeah the, the alarm bells will certainly be, be ringing after that one and there's a lot of concern right now because unfortunately with the position Everton are in it's come back off the, the worst club points total in the club's history that losing to Aston Villa as much as we don't like it is not necessarily a disgrace it's not the make or break result for Everton's season but it's the manner in which they lost like we say the fact that could have actually been a lot more. That's that's why we're all so concerned today. That that's the real disappointing yeah. thing, Gav, isn't it? Because we can all accept watching Everton be better by be- beaten by better teams. You know, you look back of when Man City come to Goodison towards the back end of the season, and you know Gundogan was just simply unplayable that day, and you were mesmerised a little bit by you know the performance he put in. And you can almost accept that when you know better teams just show their quality. But on Saturday, the uh, Sunday, sorry, there seems to be a real lack of heart, desire, and and almost application in, in, in however you know presents themselves, and that's what really hurts, isn't it? Because they should be the yeah. the main principles that you see week in week out, no matter who you're up against or who you're playing. Yeah, lack of leadership, isn't it? As well, um, kind of thinking for the fourth goal, I've watched it a couple of times. Why, why, why does Ashley Young have to throw the ball that far? Well. As you put it in back into play as well, is the other thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, n- nobody wants the ball there, do they? Yeah. Nobody's shown for the ball for them. 
what wants to get nature and to get the ball. They're all hiding. And that was that was something that I took from that. But yeah, you you'd expect first away game of the season. You'd expect more, but you in terms of of heart and desire and organisation than what you saw yesterday, and that's the that's the worrying thing. And it, it it's it, now I think the other thing I took from yesterday was something I said last time I was on the pod is the age ranges of the players is not ideal, isn't it? Where we've got like a core of young players and a core of old players, and we haven't got a lot in between of players at the peak. And yesterday we found out a little bit where we had um, Patterson. And Garner on the right, so both in the early twenties, you know, with you know very little experience in in real terms. Then you've got on the other flank, got Ashley Young, who's, who's thirty eight. You've got a central midfield one, one is Ross Garner again, out thirty four, something like thirty five, is it something like that? And on is twenty two. There's, you know, you've got two thirty odd year old centre halves. There's not not natural ages and for partnerships there, is there? And Mm. And, and working together, yeah. and, and you know you've got a very inexperienced right flank of which one one of the players not playing his best um, best role, and you know the better teams will just take advantage of that. And Patterson was poor yesterday, his passing especially. But in, in some respects, he was he was hung out to dry because of the way the team was was set up, and um, you know, and ultimately some of that is tactics, but some of that as as much as I say that, is the, the lack of application from the players and the lack of fight, fight, fight and desire and lack of morale, I think, to, to be honest with you. And um, that's the worrying thing. And um, two games into the season, we're bottom of the table, which is speaks volumes, really, doesn't it? Such a, sorry, it's an interesting point Gav makes, because if you look back, it's obviously Everton's greatest ever side, 84-85. I mean... A lot of the players, Gav, weren't they? They're all sort of at similar age in the mid twenties. I guess the peak of their powers. Whereas it's now with Everton, it's whatever you can get. So it, it is those young up and coming players, yeah. like you say, the ones who are past the best. Yeah, yeah, because they're the ones who command the cheapest fees. Yeah, you know, younger players probably the smaller wages, so you force down them two lines of recruitment. The example, I'm not sure whether you, like you heard the last time I spoke about this. The, the example, say, I would say. Moises' team in the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. Have a look at, you know, so say team 70, say 2007, have a look at the database of all them players. They're all born 1981, 1982, 1983. So they're all like 25, 26, 27. Um, and, um, you know, that's ideal. You know, that, that's one of the reasons why Moises' methods worked. He knew, he knew how to balance that age within the team and, and get players together who were who were at the peak, but because because of the way you have to recruit buying older players for whose value is just gone and buy younger players where you're buying potential, we've now got a but you know we've now got a, like a you know if you were to put it in graphical terms it'd be like a U shape wouldn't it if yeah. you did it against ages where you you'd, you know you'd want the classic bell curve but all the all the players are in the middle and yeah. um, we've got the reverse where we've got a load of players at the start and a load of players at the end and, and that, yeah and, and you'll you'll get you'll get that that causes you problems because I said before older players i remember jamie carragher saying this older players you say about giving you know um help and assistance to younger players so that doesn't happen when you reach 30 31 the only thing you're interested in is looking after yourself and keeping yourself fit and keeping your form uh, and um, and and you see in evidence of that, Arnie, 
at Everton, I believe. Well, that thing with the throwing, that was the that's what was so bad about it. I was saying to Connor before, with Ashley Young comes in, the oldest outfield debutant in Everton's history last weekend, 38 years of age. Of course, despite him being ultra fit for his age, and that's why he's still playing the Premier League at that advanced age, you can't expect him to be chucking his guts out, going up and down the, the, the wing for 90 minutes. That's not what you expect him. What you do expect from him was to have football intelligence and have that mouse to make the correct decisions. That was like a rookie mistake, the, the, the way that throw-in went in. Yeah, yeah. It's not who's the who's the fella that Sam there years ago was it? Dave Chandler, a long throw. Yeah, yeah. He threw the ball half the length of the pitch, couldn't he, from a throwing? Um, he's not him, isn't he? And I, I, just, I just thought it was, you know, that that just leads to this disconnection between players and stuff when you've not got players who are who are of the same age. I'm 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 always been quite big on that. Um, and um, I, I think you saw evidence of that where we had inexperience in certain areas of the pitch and, you know, inexperience in said to mid combined with somebody who's passed the best as a player is a, is a very, very, um, you know, very, very worrying combination for me. So, yeah, yeah there was, it shows up the flaws in the squad and the way we've had to recruit, really, and we all know why that is. We don't need to get in that conversation because we've been down that, you know, wormhole before many, many times. But, yeah, it was... Um, it was sobering, wasn't it? Chris, one of your jobs when you go to the games at, 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 with Phil Echo is to rate the players. Yeah. Your player ratings. I must admit, I don't think I've seen a lower set of scores for a long time than, yeah. than what, <laughs> what we saw yesterday. Two players in particular stuck yeah. out, unfortunately, for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. James Tarkovsky got a three and Michael Keane got a two. Yeah. Tarkovsky was uncharacteristically, I think, all, all over the place. Yeah. But Michael Keane, unfortunately, endured a, an afternoon to forget. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, they both enjoyed that yeah. together, if we're being honest. Um, I like Michael Keane. I know a lot of Evertonians have been very um, scrutinised with Michael Keane and almost making decisions. Before. Obviously, at the start of the season, it, it became apparent that Keane Tarkovsky was going to be the manager's mm. first choice centre-back partnership. And I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a majority, but certainly a significant minority of Evertonians we're calling for for Jared Bramthwaite to be get getting a chance, and I'm sure that will only amplify now over the days mm. ahead because of what happened at, at, at Villa Park, and, that, and that's all, that's only natural. But what we've got to remember is that funds are very tight at Goodison Park um, at the moment. Um, these are two players, Keane and Tarkovsky, who, who the manager knows well. Obviously, you had them both at Burnley. They didn't play too often together at Burnley, but they did do, and then obviously Keane was sold. For 25 million to Everton in 2017, and then Tarkovsky eventually came in the free transfer last summer. So, two players Dyche knows well, they're both 30 years of age, and they've both played I think, about over 230 Premier League games each. Now, you might say Michael Keane's made his fair share of mistakes during uh, that, that time, the ups and downs he's had, and now it's his seventh season with, with Everton, and maybe some you know, his detractors will say. Well, he's had plenty of time to sort of prove himself and maybe hasn't been the player we all hoped he would be. But Jared Bramthwaite might well prove to be better than one, if not both of them. But he, at this moment in time, he's only paid 10 Premier League matches. So I know he enjoyed a fruitful season on loan at PSV. That was very different. But you can understand the manager's logical thinking of saying, this is my starting centre-back partnership. 
it's where we'll at least start the season with, not necessarily end. I mean, we've plenty of chopping and changing, didn't we, towards the end of last season in that area. So, this is, again, there's a methodology towards it. There's a logical reason behind it. And also, Dyke should probably back himself to think, well, a full season, pre-season under the belt, Keane will be a better player because for the first time in his time at Everton, he wasn't playing regularly last season until Dyke came in. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a really tough afternoon. Like I said, individual. As the pair of them, the first goal, they allowed um, again to get between them both. So, they probably both got question marks. I mean, there's a class lock about us for yeah, that, to be yeah, fair, wasn't yeah. there? Was a, a Ashley Young down his, his flank yeah. as well. So, yeah, there's plenty kind of a finger pointing at them for that one. Second one, again, ball comes in. Obviously, Pickford's wild, but he's been exposed. And then the third and fourth, like we've, we've already spoken about Ashley Young's throwing technique. But, yeah. Keane just almost waves the Villa lad uh, through. They don't just come onto the pitch, had not he, for his, his first start for the club. So, yeah, tough afternoon, I suppose. The only thing is that you can say that Michael Keane's had to battle back from this in the past. There have been those ups and downs and there was those big moments where he's been scrutinised and there have been the mistakes. But, yeah, it was a, it's a tough afternoon. There's one thing about Michael Keane as well. He is a good lad. He's a model professional. You know, he's not going to shrink away from this and he'll know you. You know, he's on this lad, you'll know that, you know, that wasn't his day. And the same for, like, James Tarkovsky as well. He's usually Mr. Dependable. But, yeah, that's a concern in that, you know, that neither of them were, were on the metal yesterday. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gav, do you almost think now, though, we're at the point where, we are, it's only be two weeks into the season, but, you know, looking ahead to Wolves on Saturday, Sean, I almost has to take... My hockey on to the firing line like he did last season because you know the the calls and the the, the voice of concern around my hockey and whatever fans some Everton fans have long had that are only going to grow after what we witnessed for the park on Sunday and for the sake of everyone and more important for the sake of Keane to give Jared Brown for Ben Ben Godfrey or even Mason Hallways a chance to to sit and just take him off the firing line. Yeah, possibly. Though fans shouldn't pick a team or influence a manager's decision. Um, he did last season know a little bit with Mina. Well, he did, I was going to say, he did take him out four games. Now, but he had Yeri Mina then, didn't he? And the mystery was why Mina being on the bench that long, as we said, didn't he? He was the best centre off the club. The pressure that Gav was putting on him on the Royal Blue podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish, yeah. But I think, yeah, I get that. I I think Brantwaite's, but Brantwaite's improving. You, you'd think we had Kevin Rackler for being playing in. Holland, wouldn't you, last season, the way Brantway's been picked up? And I know there's incest from elsewhere, so, you know, you can't, you can't, um, you know, can't ignore that. So he's obviously highly rated and possibly, yeah. There's an incest in stuff that, I don't know who said this, that apparently, in, you're talking about, I think indirectly, you, I think you may have been talking about this, uh, Connor, the other week, about overseas, or Chris, about overseas players and, and, mm. and so on, coming over here. And apparently, a striker in the Premier League is a stone heavier on average than a striker in Holland. All right. You, you defend, you, you're defending against a different type of player than you are in 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 Holland because they tend to, tend to be quite lightweight, mobile. You know, good good ball players, and we know that in in the Premier League we tend to have bigger strikers. So it will be interesting for me to see Brantwaite when he come when he gets into the team, which is inevitable. How? Because he's not had a lot of experience in the Premier League, how that change affects him. But you, 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 you're marking a more physically robust, probably more experienced striker than what you would have been in Holland. 
And so that's something for him to, um, you know, you know to, that's a challenge for him. But in answer to your question, I, I, I suspect that Grant Bates will play hopefully on uh, on Saturday because Keane was just, as I say, it was a fault of the second goal, wasn't he? That was terrible decision made by Pickford. But Keane had lost Watkins, didn't he? he just let him stand behind him on the six-yard box. And and then he was, I don't know what he's doing for the second and third goal. So on the back of that, you, you've got to say, listen, Michael, you, you know, I can't justify it in the team. And I'd probably play Brantway, to be fair. Is it now or never for Brantway, Chris? Because obviously, we've, we've spent all summer talking about him. And I was, I hold my hands, but I was one who <laughs> thought that he should have been given the chance to start the season. But Tarkovsky, just to see something fresh and something different. Because we all, we, you know, we've seen Michael Keane and Tarkovsky play together last season but is it now a case of like because if he can't get a game after after this what we saw at the weekend under Michael Keane it kind of feels like well is he ever going to get his chance or what, yeah. what, 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 what are you going to take from him to get the chance because you know there's there's been a long debate about this all summer and now it kind of feels like Sean Dyche got the perfect almost excuse or evidence to to change things up at the back but if it's not Brownface who's chosen is it, you know, is he? Well, I don't think it's necessarily now or never for Bramfweight because he might wait until the Carabao Cup tie um, Doncaster. at Doncaster the following midweek. But what we've got to remember is <laughs> you're loved. You can't really call them six pointers in August, can you? But this is probably as big as an August fixture you're going to get. I like the way Everton, uh, I mean, we've got to give Everton some sort of credit here. They are rewriting football history, aren't they? Because <laughs> we are going for six points in August and, and probably a six points in the first week of September as well when Everton visit Bramall Lane on, 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 on the 2nd of September. Yeah, I, I would dispute that. I, I think there's an early one than this. I was sorry about this yesterday when we went to Crystal Palace on the second oh, day of the 2004 yeah. five season. Oh, of course. Four one defeat at Arsenal. Four one defeat at Arsenal, and they yeah. Palace were um, Palace were favourites to go down. I think, and we'd had that horrible um, pre-season and stuff, and we'd finished the previous season dreadfully. And I remember somebody joking at the time that it was the earliest six pointer in. Yeah. Well, if only because obviously he went on to finish fourth that season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that team has, I don't think we'd yeah. be sitting here moaning now. But yeah, so so in terms of Bramfway, I think he might wait until the, the Carabao Cup type. So what he might do, because given the magnitude of this Wolverhampton Wonders game, and mm. we do it all again on Friday when we're previewing that. Remember, we're supposed to be looking back on Villa there, but um, he might even go, you know, it's just, Sean Dykes, he, he doesn't, you know, bow to public opinion. He might just stick Godfrey in centre-back. And then put Bramfway in for the Carabao Cup tie. So, mm. yeah, I'm not saying it's, it's it's now or never. I can understand the reasons why, and they, you know, the player is obviously keen to to show what what he can do. And it, it's an interesting point actually that Gav makes because we're talking about the difference in the size of centre forwards. It's not necessarily the physical demands of the Premier League that we're questioning with Bramfway because he's a big lad, isn't he? He's, he's a big boy. Um, as, a, as is Martinez, the Villa keeper, who obviously slammed into uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin at the weekend. I mean, two big units going at full pelt there. No wonder he you know, ended up with the injuries that he's had, unfortunately. But with Brandway, it's more how does he handle uh, the, the positioning and um, the, sort of the, the technical side of things. Um, I'm not too concerned about him from a physicality point of view. I mean, it's a good point, Gab. Makes it is different. He's dealing with maybe smaller, nippier strikers in the in the Dutch league. But with, with him, that maybe it's not the physicality, which would be my biggest question mark. But I, I don't think it is 
No, well, ne- never. I mean, obviously, like I said, it's inevitable. The calls for him to, to play will will amplify in the in the days ahead. But if he's if he's not in the starting line, you know, still what is he? He's only like twenty one, is he something like that? Um, he's only still a young man. So, yeah, he's, it maybe you have to wait to that trip to Yorkshire. Who, who knows? Well, yeah. Connor, can I ask you a question then? Do you think it's now or never for Dice to pick him? Yeah, a little bit. Because there's no bet, there's no there's no better time to put him in, is the yeah. Because if you, you've had a centre back who's had well two because let's face it, really, there's there's valuable reasons here to drop both Tarkovsky and Keane. Yeah, being totally honest, because they were both as bad as each other. It's just that Michael Keane's obviously had a lot more tough afternoons at the office over the last 18 months than, than James Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky's now standing skipper as well. Well, of course, yeah. yeah. But I just think if he doesn't pick him now, I know. Chris makes a good point about the Carabao Cup, but that just seems like a bit of a second nature, you know, you can play in the League Cup type kind of solution, doesn't it? And I suppose even if he does well, you might not make Is he going to then play a Bramble Lane on the Saturday? There's no guarantee, is he? So Mm. I just think for where people are, and I think if he doesn't play, and I also think as well, Dyson will be making a roll for his own back, isn't he, if he doesn't play him? Because if Everton are then a little bit suspect on Saturday defensively, the voices to why he should be playing are only going to ever increase and, and grow. Yeah, I think I think he's. I mean, we'll talk about that on Friday, but it's a big decision for Dice, isn't it? Really, this. I think. Well, we will talk about. He's got a few big decisions to make, hasn't he? Really, mm. after how bad yesterday is. But Chris, one man yeah. was back yesterday. Yeah. We've been speaking about him a lot, even yeah. though he hasn't been playing much. He's been yeah. the name on most people's lips. Dominic Carvalho. Yeah. Unfortunately, his afternoon lasted just over thirty minutes at Villa Park after yeah. he was taken off. It was suspected. We think. Uh, Broken cheekbone yeah. around after, like he's alluded to earlier, running into Emmy Martinez as he attempted to, you know, yeah. get on the end of a cross. Talk about not being able to catch a break. Yeah. Yeah. That was the great irony of it all. Obviously, the, the question marks about Dominic Calvert Lewin have all surrounded a supposed appetite or lack of it. You know, is he feeling things that aren't there? Is, is he perhaps not? pushing himself, knowing his body as well as he should do. And then he gets injured, Dave Hickson style, throwing himself a, a big goalkeeper um, as the cross came in from the Corey. So it's like the ultimate irony, isn't it? He's putting his body on the line mm. for the cause there, f- flinging in himself in gung-ho fashion. I mean, it was unfortunate. It was just 50-50. And I, th- you know, like I, said, I was in the ground at the time. DCL didn't look particularly enamoured with Martinez afterwards. But, I th- you know, it wasn't... I don't think Ivan were reckless. They were just brave and they were both just going for that same cross that came into the box. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's it's, also, it's really unfortunate that, you know, he's picked up an injury so soon again. But it's because he's been fully committed and he's been mm. putting his body on the line. And it's not an injury, the normal sort of injury. It's not like he's not hamstrings gone related, again. Yeah. So I'm just hoping, I don't know whether it's one of those like Phantom of the Opera style masks or like Paul Gascoigne used to wear. I mean, hopefully you can get him back on there, possibly playing with that. I don't know. Does it, you know, we'll find out in the days to come just whether it's going to mean a, another spell on the sidelines or whether he is able to to, to play uh, again with some sort of protective a, a equipment. But yeah, it's whatever nature the, the injury was, I mean, it's desperately unfortunate, isn't it? That, you know, he's long away to come back. Didn't play since the last time Everton were in the West Midlands. Obviously, Wolves last away game of last season. That was when he got injured. Uh, to come back and get that injury 
so so early on. But the only saving grace is that hopefully with the different nature of the injury that hopefully he might he might be able to come back soon. I, I don't know, like I said, time will tell in that respect. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think that was the most disappointing thing, Gav, wasn't it? it? Was the nature of the injury and how it occurred, and you know, basically he threw himself towards the ball and comes off, you know, second best, and and, and that's it. You know, his afternoon's over, and you know, like Chris says, there we don't know how long he could be out for, but with the nature of the injury and stuff like that. But it, it's that feeling, wasn't it? If it doesn't rain, it pours. Yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, it was, I mean. And I'm not. I'm not. As you know, I think we overplayed it. How important Carvalhoon is to have in hand, um, but he is obviously uh, important part of our, our first team. And I'm, to lose him that earlier on, when he's just come back, I think it's 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 dreadful luck, isn't it? Really, it's not. It's not great. You might possibly question whether he's actually should the challenge should have gone in for, but I don't know. But yeah, it's it's not great for the player, and it's not great for us because we're going to reopen the old striker. Of, you know, <laughs> the old striker uh, position army, really, because we ended up having to switch loads of things around, didn't we? By the yeah. start of the second half, as a consequence. And the uh, yeah. disrupted, disrupted yeah. like, the whole team, didn't it? Essentially, in the end. It's just... Yeah, yeah. Really... I mean, the, the only thing I'd say is I think um, one of the, the few shining lights, I thought Dan Juma did quite well in the circumstances mm-hmm. when he came on. Sometimes it's difficult. Isn't it when you you're the sub and you think you're going to get 20 minutes, you end up coming on after I don't know what it was, 30 minutes was it? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, so I thought I thought give him give him a longer than longer than expected opportunity to get some game time, and I thought he was uh, he was okay. He, he was probably dare I say our best player or thereabouts um, against a very low bar, obviously. For Cavalier, yeah, dreadful um, dreadful luck that. Uh, to be honest with you, yeah. and uh, you know you've got to wish him a, a, a speedy recovery. Was there any concussion involved? Was there with Calvert Lewin? No, did so? it wasn't concussion. It was only once the, the, the swelling got so bad it was affecting yeah. his vision. He just had to obviously go straight off. But yeah, yeah. Was so he's going to be yeah. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But when you talk about psychology, Chris, about players, mm-hmm. that doesn't help, does it? No, quite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, he, 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 that's what he, he was. He was silencing those doubters in that respect, wasn't he? I mean, like I said, perhaps he didn't need to to go for that challenge, and if it had been somebody else, maybe they wouldn't have done. Maybe was he too eager? Was he too keen to sort of silence those doubters and show? I know, I'll fling myself into this one, but yeah, yeah. So sometimes that goes by your experience of being a striker, doesn't it? Because. DCL is a, like a sort of converted striker, hasn't he's played, what was he famously, right wing back by Koeman and yeah. <laughs> on the right wing. So he's not really a natural striker. And I can think possibly if you're a natural striker, you know probably a bit more about what challenges to go in for and what, what when not to go in. And perhaps that, that played into it a little bit yesterday. But yeah, either way, it was, uh, it was just typified the afternoon and I can only say we can... Wish him well, and hopefully he's back on the uh, on the pitch soon. Chris, there was one name that's been on the lips of Evertonians over the weekend. Moving away from Aston Villa now, Shay Adams yeah. had a bid rejected for Southampton forward over the weekend. Mm-hmm. There's reports that 
Everton are still working hard to, to get a deal done for the Scotland international. Obviously, both of you lads were on Friday's pod when we discussed this. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on Shay Adams? I think given um, the market Everton are, are operating in, um, he does seem you know, an obvious solution. He seems uh, a, a proven option because it's, it's finding that balance, isn't it, between got a young... A young Got a young lad there. They've obviously spent um, a big, well, the only amount of money they've spent this summer in use of Chimiti. But then Dyche is saying he's not ready. He's no sort of expectations at all on him at this stage, despite paying the. He made the trip, but wasn't the squad, wasn't he? On, yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. So you've got him. Got Neil Mope, who's proven, but has one goal in thirty now. One thirty, one in thirty-one actually after yesterday. Dominic Cavalloon, who's obviously the first choice, but has played fewer than half the matches in the last two seasons, went off again early there. And then Dan Juma, Gav said, was actually the best of a bad bunch, but is he more of a winger? He can play centre-forward, but probably better coming in off the wing. So you somehow got to find somebody, you know you need an extra <laughs> body in there, but can sort of bridge the gap between all those different but, options. But, but no open checkbook, by the yeah. way. Yeah, so no big money. You're not. You can't really guarantee somebody a regular spot unless you know. Unfortunately, yeah. DCL's got another prolonged period on the sidelines, and you're trying to find somebody to somehow bridge the gap between all these disparate parts. So, yeah, given those circumstances, he's probably about as, as good as you're going to get. And there's, you know, I think Joe has said he thinks it makes a lot of sense, and I can see where he's he's coming from in that one. You know, he's. He's not prolific, but he he can do a job in in, in those areas. And um, actually, did catch up bizarrely. I was I was, I was um, flicking through on the early game on Saturday, and I just saw a bit the uh, the Plymouth Argyle Southampton, and there was there was one actually when he just wasn't wasn't like um, DCL and uh, Martinez as such, but he just sort of threw himself at um, at the Plymouth keeper and uh, who dropped it in the ball in the net. It was disallowed. But um, I was thinking, no, oh, he's just he's something about him here. Yeah, he put himself about. Obviously, he's pacey, uh, you know, his positioning's um, decent, knows what he's, he's doing in that respect. So, yeah, given the, the circumstances where Everton are coming from, you can see why this sort of deal w- would be attractive to you. Is it one that makes sense for you, Gav? Yeah, all day long. Very few, you know, players out there, I think, when we talk about that's a new that's a new term and name, isn't it? In terms of players now, profile. Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> the right profile. It's a stats-driven thing, that isn't it? You know, profile. Um, and uh, you get all the graphs of comparing them, and you got their matches, don't you? Like, like, it's like you know, um, not that I go on the dating websites, but you know what I mean. You know, that's what effectively do. You do these yeah. days, do much people together who are like. And um, Shay Adams, I think, ticks a lot of the boxes of Calvert Lewin. Uh, and so, yeah, makes a lot of sense for me. He's played in the Premier League. He's not. He's not going to be prolific, but I think it's just an important for us. As people say that it's somebody who can fit into our or Dice's style of play, really. So, yeah, not a problem. Mitch yeah. Adams, the if you can get it done, as well. Oh, my, After little... missing out on Mark Walters all those years ago, okay. how about that? Guy? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, Mark Walters, yeah, and he came here in '87 from from Rangers. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that was. I didn't know that. So I found out last week. I think. I think he'd be the first person we've had with Everton in the yeah, name. Was, I think Brazilian Everton was linked, wasn't he? And he never came. Yeah. 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 But he's um, now, isn't he? <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I, I'll um, I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, fully approve of Shay Adams, if only to fill that gap that we've got um, up from between Chimiti and Carvalho in terms of experience and, and age and stuff. Yeah, not not a problem for me. Right, gents, I think we will leave things there. I think we've chewed the fat enough over all things Everton and Aston Villa. We will be back, of course, on Friday afternoon to look back on Sean Dyche's pre-Wolverhampton Rangers press conference. And, of course, look ahead to Saturday's huge must-win, six-pointer, <laughs> whichever we want to call it, uh, Premier League game at Goodison Park as Everton return home to take on Gary O'Neill's side. But for today, thank you, thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.